You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. On this episode, we are looking ahead to the Purdue men's basketball season. And it's my privilege to welcome back to the episode, the voices you will hear all season long on the radio, Rob Blackman and Bobby Buckets Riddell. Gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. How are you guys doing? Good, Adam. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the t- chance to talk some Purdue basketball. Hey, it's time, right? I mean, I know all these fall sports are going really well this year, but it's I, for me, it doesn't get more exciting than this uh, to talk some Purdue men's basketball. Yeah, thanks for having me on as well. We uh, looking forward to a great season. Obviously, sky's the limit with this team. Yeah, for sure. And we will get into those that hype and expectations here in a little bit. Before we jump into the season itself, I want to talk about you guys. Of course, last year when we talked, you guys were broadcasting the games from either the second level of Mackey Arena or the hallway or whatever you want to call their your makeshift studio was. So just talk about the excitement of being back courtside this year and getting to call games uh, courtside. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I'm actually kind of interested to see how uh, my broadcast partner here, Bobby, handles things on. We <laughs> <laughs> had experience last year doing games in front of no one, basically, at Mackey Arena, other than a few fan, uh, friends and family. And I, I just saw earlier today, uh, we're, of course, we're recording this here on a, what, a Tuesday night, I guess. But I guess I saw earlier today that the exhibition game was a sellout. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, it'll be rocking in there. So I'm. I've been sitting, uh, I have sat down there, I should say, for numerous games courtside when the building is jumping, but uh, old Buckets has not, so I'm going to anxious to see the look on his face on Thursday night. Yeah, no no joke, you got you got the practice last year, Bobby, but this will be, uh, I mean, it was a real deal last year, just like we mentioned, not in front of the crowd, excited to, to feel the energy you felt as a player now as the uh, play-by-play guy uh, on the, the court this year. No question. I have uh, major butterflies for Thursday. You know, I'm really excited, uh, you know, a little nerves for to be there with the whole crowd. I think it's going to obviously bring a lot of energy to the broadcast. Not that Rob and I weren't trying to bring, you know, major energy last year, but certainly it was hard at times with an empty arena. I know for me personally, I don't want to speak for Rob, but it was hard for me sometimes, you know, to bring as much energy probably as as I needed so I don't think that's going to be as big of an issue this year with Mackie rocking and uh yeah I'm, it's gonna be fun being back courtside for that perspective I haven't had the pleasure of sitting courtside for uh Purdue men's basketball game since 2010 <laughs> so uh it's been a minute since I've been down courtside so that vantage point will be fun to be at and uh yeah Rob said you know he's done it a lot of times already but I'll be excited to sit next to him there and get that vantage point with Paul Mackey. Yeah, for sure. It'll be a, it'll be your exhibition warm-up game as well, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, as Rob Blackman just mentioned a minute ago, we are we are recording this on a Tuesday night, so I will uh, do a little shameless plug. I, I'm a huge Atlanta Braves fan, so we are playing in game sticks right now as we talk. So I'm hoping uh, as people listen to this episode on Wednesday or Thursday, get ready for the exhibition opener that I'll uh, be celebrating a <laughs> World Series uh, championship. So shout out to the yeah, Braves. Yeah, go Braves. Let's go. Going for the Braves as well, yeah. Awesome. One of my uh, best friends and a faithful listener of the podcast, Chris Froyland, also a huge Braves fan. So we are pumped. So let's go. Uh, Braves baseball. And, of course, uh, we're talking Purdue basketball. Excited. The hype and expectations are through the roof uh, this year. Let's talk about that. The roster uh, and depth may be as deep as uh, Coach Painter's ever had. So let's start with the roster and the makeup of this team. 
Uh, let's talk about, obviously, we know Jaden Ivey and Travion Williams are going to be the leaders, but let's just kind of go through the roster and, and talk about uh, the high points and, and, the, and this depth uh, for this year's team. Well, I'll, I'll let Bob speak on maybe specific players in general that he will have his eye on, but I would say this just as an overall uh, grouping them all in one, in one group. You know, Purdue returns 95% of its scoring. All five of its starters are back. The only guy lost is Aaron Wheeler, who was a grad transfer to St. John's, and he played off the bench. Um, now, the, the good news with him leaving is that we're actually replacing him with two guys who play his position. Uh, now, granted, they're both freshmen. One was Mr. Basketball. The other was runner-up Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana. So you feel pretty comfortable about having those two guys move in the in the lineup in Caleb First and Trey Kaufman-Wren. So... Uh, I, you know, if you're going to lose, you know, one guy and you replace him with two, two highly skilled players, you feel pretty good about that. So I think I read earlier today where the, the only other team in the country that brings back as much experience as Purdue does is Butler, mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty interesting. Two teams in the state of Indiana bring back that type those type of numbers. So this team won 18 games a year ago, finished fourth in the Big Ten, was a four, uh, four seed in the NCAA tournament. And you're bringing back 95% of that group. So uh, that's, uh, that's just those numbers right there. Get you really excited. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to feel good about like all those things you just mentioned coming, uh, coming back and you got, especially the guy you expect to be one of your best players, if not your best player, Jaden Ivy, who's getting to play, you know, now he's got a year under his belt and now he's kind of probably got a taste for it. And he's probably even more hungry and he's going to get to finally get that experience of a, a, a full crowd in Mackey arena as well. Yeah. As Rob said, really excited about, just all the depth options. Uh, you know, I've never seen a coach parenting with this much depth. It's really remarkable just watching some of the scrimmages and just looking at even a guy like Brian Waddell, who's redshirting and I'm going to play this year, who's extremely talented in his own right. Just really cool to see. And it's going to give, you know, it's a good problem to have kind of thing, but it's definitely something that's probably going to help Purdue throughout the year just because, you know, little injuries, rolled ankles, things like that typically happen. Obviously, Mason Gill is starting out the year won't be playing due to suspension. So that depth already coming into play early at the start of the season. And then, as you mentioned, Jaden Ivey, he's someone I'm just really looking forward to seeing again this second year. You know, we saw in the scrimmage, he had nine assists, which was great. And then we saw he had eight turnovers, which not so great. But what we can add up between those two things is he obviously had the ball in his hands a lot in order to accumulate those statistics good and bad along with the scoring he had in the scrimmage as well so he's clearly a guy coach painter has gained more trust in you know late in the last season and then you know through the summer onto the preseason this year and he's a guy that coach paint clearly is going to put the ball in his hands a lot i think you see most successful teams in march have really good bar guard play so i think it's going to prove important for Jaden to be a critical ball handler and you know, creator for himself and others come uh, March Madness time. So getting some of those turnovers and things of this nature out of the way here in the exhibition scrimmage season is fine. Uh, obviously, hopefully he can clean that up a little bit, but I'm really excited to see what the possible jump he can take from year one to year two, because he had Rob and I on the edge of our seats a lot last season. <laughs> yeah. And you think about Bob, you know, this as good as well as he played at the end of the season, uh, I think a lot of people forget, you know, he was never really full strength health-wise till about early January, really mid-January. 
and then no surprise, he hit his stride. I think he had 26 points maybe in that NCAA tournament loss to North Texas. And I mean, he was the go-to guy the last four, five, six games of the season. So uh, you hope he picks up where he left off. I would like to add this, Bob, you know, talking about the depth of this team and, you know, Coach Painter was on the on the Matt Painter radio show with me on uh, on Monday night, and you know he talked about what a real luxury that is to have eleven scholarship guys who you feel like you can play multiple minutes. Uh, because of nothing else, if someone's not getting the job done or isn't listening or isn't giving you the effort maybe you think you should be getting as a coach, then you just don't play them because you have someone else that can easily step in and get the job done. That has not always been the case at Purdue, and Matt Painter would be the first to tell you. You know, sometimes you're just kind of limited with what you can do as far as substituting guys. And if a guy's having a bad night or, or maybe not giving you 100% effort, sometimes you're just stuck. You, you got to play him because you don't have any, any other option. Uh, that will not be a problem this year. Uh, if you are not a guy that is uh, doing what you're supposed to do and, and, and being productive, then then you'll sit on the bench and someone else will get a chance. So I, as Coach Painter said Monday night on the on the coach's show on the radio, that, that's a real, really good problem to have. For sure. And I don't know, you can jump in and interrupt me if you, if coach has announced the starting lineup already for the exhibition opener. But I mean, you you look at this depth and you think about a guy like, uh, you know, an Isaiah uh, Thompson or especially a Brandon Newman, who would probably be starting at a lot of other schools, even in the Big Ten. And these guys are going to be guys coming off our bench. That's that's pretty incredible. Hmm. Well, I would say this and I'll let Bob chime in on this. Zach Eady is probably playing off the bench. Yeah. Zach Eady. Who was just who was an eyelash was an injury away from playing for Canada in, in the Olympics. Uh, this guy, okay, is yeah. playing off your bench um, and is obviously seven foot four and two hundred ninety five pounds and is maybe the team's most improved player. So uh, yeah, when you have that kind of depth, when when a guy that uh, was on the U nineteens and was a U nineteen All Star in the FIBA games and was a as I said one injury away from playing for Team Canada in the Olympics and he's your backup, you're probably in pretty good shape as a team. Yeah, that's – Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, Rob, Zach, and it sounds like from everything we're hearing, he's just been incredible so far in this preseason and just having amazing practices, being extremely dominant. And, you know, some years it ends up being fairly simple where the start, the clear-cut starting five kind of separates itself and they're – by far the best five players and they play well together. And then coach paint just kind of rides with that lineup for the majority of the season. But there's been some other years where guys are popping up in, you know, like Ryan Klein and Carson Edwards kind of battle between one starting spot one year, uh, Haas and Hammonds, all different numbers of situations where guys are battling for starting spots. I think this year more than ever, you could really end up with a situation where, especially during the pre-conference season, where you're just seeing all different kinds of starting lineups. Like if a particular guy's not bringing it in practice that week, it could be like, like say, you know, for example, if Sasha has a bad week of practice, he might just be like, okay, bring in a new one. You're starting this week or, or vice versa. Uh, I think, I don't know the starting lineup. I, I think to start the season, uh, we'll see probably Eric Hunter, Jaden Ivey, Sasha Stefanovich and as the guards. I think we'll see Caleb first in there at the power forward spot. He played pretty well in the scrimmage. And then I know Zach E started the scrimmage, which I suppose was legitimate based on how he played in the preseason. Obviously, Travion Williams is the incumbent there. It'll be interesting to see if Travion gets the nod back for the uh, exhibition game here against uh, UND. But and the you, know, you can go a lot of different ways. Yeah. 
And Buggis, think about this. So if Zach, if Zach does start Thursday night, you're bringing a preseason All-American off the bench. <laughs> ridiculous. So that, that is ridiculous. Yeah. Could you see a situation, too, with, with Gillis out the first four games where Edie starts at the five and Travion starts at the four? Or does he not really want him in at the same time? Yeah, so so Coach Payne has talked about this, and I know a lot of fans are clamoring for the two big guys on the floor at the same time. The problem with this is, and Bob knows, he coached for a season with Coach Painter. While that all sounds well and good on the offensive end, where you get in some real trouble is on the defensive end. Uh, one of those guys is going to have to guard a four, and if it's an athletic four that can really beat you off the dribble, take you outside and shoot threes, I don't know that either Travion nor certainly Zach has a skill set to do that defensively. The other place where it really gets you in huge trouble is you can't turn the ball over because those two big guys are anchored under the basket on the offensive end. So if you turn it over and you're racing the other way, you're playing five on three because those two big guys aren't making it back in time to play transition defense. So just for the fans that are watching and clamoring for the two big guys to play at the same time, I'm not saying it won't happen, but I am saying Coach Payne is not real fond of, of that idea because of the two reasons I just talked about right there. Which makes total sense. I would assume you guys can jump in here too, that once he comes back from suspension, Mason Gillis goes back to the four, unless he's got to earn his spot back in the starting lineup. But it will be interesting if Caleb first does uh, start the season off at the four to if he holds on to that and takes takes hold of that as a, the starting uh, starting uh, four. You know, you mentioned the U19s. He got a lot of experience doing that along uh, Jane Ivy. So those guys got some time together on the court already this summer. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well. I certainly think you're going to end up seeing Mason uh, sliding back into that power forward spot like he played last year, whether he starts or not. To be determined, he unfortunately is giving away his spot to two pretty talented guys who are going to get those minutes at that position. You know, as Rob said, we probably won't see a whole lot of Travion and Zach together. So Caleb and Trey Kaufman Wren are going to get the lion's share of the minutes at that four spot. And if they excel, in particular, if they excel against North Carolina, that's the last game that Mason will be sitting out if they excel in that game, you know, if you play, if you win and you play Villanova in the championship, it'll be, you know, tough to throw Mason in for major minutes. If the two guys who just played his position played well in the game before against a high level opponent. So uh, I have heard from the coaching staff that Mason's played really, really well in the preseason and they're really happy with him as production. He's just one of those guys who's got an extremely high motor. Uh, it's kind of one of those skill sets that's, little underrated and you know he knows his role I think defensively he's probably ahead of Trey and Caleb as far as knowing the system being in the right place those sorts of things scattering report type stuff so I think there is a role eventually for Mason but you know selfishly for him he's going to have to hope those two freshmen don't just run away and hide with the position while he's out although that would be a good also a good thing right I mean that means I mean right it's a good problem to have for Purdue Well, uh, we, we talked a little about Travion, but obviously he's a huge piece as well. Um, and I just want to kind of go back to last year, obviously that, that sting of the North Texas loss. Uh, as a team, I want to talk about what you guys' thoughts are on, on motivation for this year coming off that awful loss. But I think, you know, also just talking about, uh, you know, that video of Travion walking off the, the floor. I'm sure you guys have seen it after the loss and just how dejected he looked. And I'm just curious what your thoughts and, you know, how – maybe hungry he is this year. I mean, just seeing the emotion was, was heartbreaking to, when he was walking off the court and just how much maybe that pushed him uh, to take it up to another level this year. Well, and this, you know, you think about this, Adam, this group is unique in that 
at least on the for the older guys, the the seniors, and certainly Sasha, who's a who's a fifth year guy. You know, they've been at both ends of this now. They've been an eyelash away from three tenths of a second away from going to the final four. And they've also lost in the first round to North Texas. So they do really know what it feels like uh, to be at both ends of it. And you would hope that uh, they can draw on those experiences, especially as you get closer to tournament time to maybe remember, hey, here's what we did well when we made a run to the Elite Eight. And here's what we did not do so well last year against uh, uh, against North Texas. I think that's really where it starts is with those older guys. Uh, and I'm speaking specifically of Eric Hunter and Sasha and Travion, the, the three scholarship seniors again, because they've been at, uh, they've been at both ends of it. I, I, I'll never forget Eric Hunter jr. Started his first game, uh, was an NCAA tournament game. If you remember, because, uh, uh, no gel got hurt in the pregame warmups. We're getting ready to play old dominion. Uh, and next thing you know, it's like, uh, Hey, Eric, you're going in the game. You're the starting point guard. <laughs> so, <laughs> truly he's been at both ends of it now. So, um, for the younger guys, I don't know, you know, they don't, uh, they don't know any different. Obviously they've only been in that one NCAA tournament game, which was uh, this last year. So, uh, I do know this much. Um, the team has talked about it. They certainly have talked about it this, uh, this off season. And it's been a, it's been a point of discussion and, and uh, the, as Matt Painter, though, has often said, and, and Bobby Riddell's heard this many times before, you don't just get a start where you left off the season before. We don't just get a start in the NCAA tournament here on Thursday. We start with an exhibition game, and the process all begins again. So we'll see what lessons maybe they learned from last year that can help with that process. Yeah, for sure. To me, I feel like uh, my X factor for this year is Sasha, and I know that might be an easy one to pick, but, I mean, when he is going, he, he's awesome. I love watching him. If that you got Jaden Ivy, who can open up the floor for him to be able to, you know, pop some threes. And of course, Travion, who I think is the biggest, the best passing big man in the country. I mean, to to get him some open looks as well. I mean, if if Sasha's hot, I think the team succeeds even more because of that. Well, two things on that, Adam, and I want to get I want to hear Bob's opinion on this. First of all, remember Travion was our second assist man last year, second in assists behind only Eric Hunter. Now that's not often when you're your center. You're second on your team in assists. That's a, how good of a passer he is. But Bob, didn't you think last year with, with Sasha, you know, before he had the COVID-19 setback, he was shooting like 49% from three. I mean, he was, he was lights out. I mean, one out of every two threes was nothing but the bottom of the net. But when he came back from that little three, three game COVID-19 uh, 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 deal, he just, to me, never quite looked the same. Now, I've seen him in practice the last couple of weeks and he looks to be back to the same old Sasha, but, I don't know, Bob, did, did you see the same thing last year? He just looked like a totally different shooter following the COVID-19 setback. I did see the same thing, and it was really too bad because, as you pointed out, he was really in a nice rhythm, and not just shooting-wise. Uh, he had some nice moments where he was starting to get a little more aggressive, driving the ball to the basket, getting to the foul line, drawing some fouls here there, a couple tough finishes around the basket, and just really starting to play – a really nice overall basketball game for him as far as, you know, utilizing his strengths to the best of his ability. And the shot was obviously dropping at a high clip. And then, yeah, all of a sudden he has this absence where he's just sitting in a hotel room for like weeks, mm -hmm. trying to get rid of this COVID-19, watching a lot of Netflix. And then <laughs> he comes back and then coach tried to basically bring him off the bench at first. And then, you know, because of the trust factor and how well he'd been playing before Andy eventually moves him, back into the starting lineup and takes Brandon out and Brandon had kind of been playing pretty well as a starter. And Brandon, unfortunately then struggled to close the year off the bench. So yeah, that was an unfortunate thing where 
Purdue, you know, really needed nice boosts from those guys, especially the shooting piece of it, because a lot of the rest of the team struggled from distance last year. Brandon and Sasha were, for the most part, two of the more consistent guys. And then, unfortunately, at the end of the year, you have those two guys really not playing at a high level, which certainly hurt Purdue and was part of the reason they didn't advance as far as they would have wanted to. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Sasha's such a high energy guy too, you know, when he's going to and defensively too, he just puts so much into it. So he, and you love to, to see the team feed off of that, his just excitement and, and passion on the, on the floor. So hopefully, yeah, we'll get that, get that back this year as well. We'll, we'll start with his passion. Yeah, yeah, without question. He, he's one of those guys who can get Mackey Arena rocking pretty quickly. I would also add, you know, Eric Hunter Jr. needs to become a better three-point shooter here in his senior season. You know, he was 27% from three last year. So uh, across the board, just what Bob was talking about, if, you know, if Eric just gets, say, into the mid-30s, um, you know, Isaiah Thompson is a 40% three-point shooter. If he's, if he's at that number, if Sasha gets back to say 45 or 46 and Brandon Newman is say 42, 43, Jay Nivey say in the forties, all of a sudden you have a pretty dangerous offensive team because you know, the two big guys down inside are going to have no trouble shooting a high percentage uh, down close to the basket. So if you could surround them with some high level perimeter shooting, Purdue's going to be in really good shape. Yeah, for sure. I'll also talk about the coaching staff because we saw a couple changes there, maybe more changes on the coaching staff than the roster this year. Uh, <laughs> you guys out, and then uh, yeah. bringing a familiar face in Paul Lust comes back and then uh, uh, Terry Johnson over from Ohio State. Talk about what those guys bring to the uh, the team. Well, I, Bob needs to speak on this one. He played for Coach Lusk. I let, I let Bob take on, on, on Coach Lusk. He was, I know that was his guy. So you, he can talk all about him. Yes, sir. P. Lusk is the man. He's, he's my guy. He was a, uh... He was the one of my four years playing, uh, and then I guess my fifth year as a like grad assistant. He was an assistant coach all five of those years and uh, was the only guy that was an assistant the whole time while I was there. There was some other turnover with some of the other guys, and, and Coach Luss is just, yeah, one of my favorite guys. Really enjoyed playing for him. Um, just a great guy to talk to about not only hoops, but just a lot of other stuff. And uh, I really look forward to – when Rob and I and Wes Scott, our engineer, get to travel with the team this year, really looking forward to having some more time around Coach Lusk. And I think he's going to be great for the team. Um, just a guy who's got some head coaching experience, was at Creighton, another high-level program, has just you know seen the Big East, seen the Big Ten, seen the mid-major. He's just been around a lot of basketball. And I think he's going to really help out the, the guys who are going to be on this roster. And then Terry Johnson, the new assistant from Ohio State. I've only been around him a little bit. I just met him actually at the, the last scrimmage I was at. Seemed like a really nice guy. I know he's an Indiana guy, grew up in Indiana. I think he's got a lot of ties to Purdue, so that's pretty neat. And he's the offensive coordinator this year. Purdue's had some really successful ones in recent years with uh, Micah Shrewsbury before him and then Greg Gary, who's at Mercer. Those guys – we're really successful running that O coordinator spot. And so we'll see a lot of pressure on Terry to step up with the, uh, the playbook. Yeah. And I, I would add from, at least from what I've seen practices only to this point, I do think coach painter is going to have a little bit more of a hands-on role on the offensive end, at least to start the season as there's that, you know, acclimation period with coach Johnson, you know, kind of getting used to, to what Matt likes. I mean, look, it, uh, part of being the offensive coordinator at Purdue is you have to know what the head coach likes to do. And just kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, you have to think like he thinks. 
And right. Micah had no problem doing that because of that longtime relationship with Coach Paint and the same thing with Greg Gary. Well, it's very brand, it's brand new for Terry Johnson. So I do think you'll see Coach Painter probably a little more involved offensively, at least to start the season. Uh, but defensively, that uh, Paul Lusk has uh, taken that thing over with uh, with two hands, and uh, he is uh, his fingerprints are all over that defense. I've watched enough practice to know that on the defensive end, it's kind of Coach Lusk's baby. He he handles the defense and. And you can tell he's a guy that's been around the game a long time. So, uh, but yeah, those, those are, I mean, tell you what, Coach Payne's had a heck of a run with assistance these last 10 years or so getting head coaching jobs, which was a good problem to have, right? That means you have quality assistance if uh, they keep getting head coaching jobs, which is exactly what keeps happening. Right. He's got his own version of the Coach Katie coaching tree now. And it's, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's sad sometimes to see these guys leave because of the success they've had here. But yeah, like you said, a good problem to have. That means those guys are getting head coaching jobs. Speaking of, you know, Micah Shrewsbury leaving Purdue for the same conference. It'll be interesting seeing him one to three times a year uh, playing Penn State. Uh, so, and then he took, you know, um, took a you know potential recruit with him. So, uh, it'll, be, it'll be fun and you know interesting to see how that all you know, plays well, out. The, the biggest recruit he took with him was his son Braden. Uh, I'm sure the, <laughs> the, the guys at West Lafayette High School aren't really happy about because he's easily been their best player. So, yeah, that's the biggest recruit he took with him, his own son. <laughs> no doubt all right well let's jump into the schedule a little bit here uh, obviously there's some uh, big matchups tournaments and challenges that stand out uh, of course we got the, the hall of fame tip off early in the season with north carolina and then either tennessee or villanova the next day uh, the big 10 challenge against uh, florida state and in uh, west lafayette the hall of fame invitational uh, over in brooklyn that'd be cool uh, against north carolina state of course the crossroads classic uh, against uh, Butler down in Indy, and of course, obviously the Big Ten schedule. Uh, to talk about some of those matchups and any others that I didn't mention that just kind of jump out to you on the schedule. Well, I know this much just looking at the Big Ten schedule. I mean, not that this is any surprise, but my gosh, you know, Michigan's preseason number six uh, in the AP poll. Um, obviously, Hunter Dickinson back, but they also had the number one recruiting class in the nation coming in from from high school last year. So they've they've obviously reloaded. Kofi Coburn coming back to Illinois ends up being such a huge deal, obviously, uh, with Andre Corbello coming back, who's a really talented lead guard. So um, they're going to be tough to beat. There's no doubt about that. Indiana has a first-team All-American and Trace Jackson Davis uh, and a new coach. So And some really important transfers as well. Uh, Ohio State's in the same boat. You know, they. I think everyone knows about Joey Brunkin and up at Ohio state, but so did Jamari Wheeler from Penn state. I mean, that's, that's a couple of high quality transfers over at Ohio state. And speaking of transfers, Maryland got two uh, first team all conference guys from other schools. Uh, uh, one being from Rhode Island. So, uh, and they still have Eric Ayala coming back. So I'm not surprised that the big 10 is good again. Um, it's funny kind of how the big 10 has gone about it. Maybe more the transfer route than, old you know the old way of traditionally recruiting guys into your programs but um it's uh it's going to be a it's going to be a bear i don't i mean there's no two ways about it they they don't you try to look at that schedule and say well i think we can maybe get this team or maybe get this team i (laughs) i don't know about that man there's some quality quality groups uh from top to bottom in the big 10 yeah for sure uh you know we the big 10 acc challenge of course a big deal every year and you know, I was kind of hoping, you know, with Purdue being, uh, you know, rated so high or expectations so high that we would get a Duke uh, this year. Oh, wow. The Coach K farewell tour would have been a uh, would have been mm. pretty cool to get that uh, this year. But obviously, we're getting Florida State again, 
opponent we have seen uh, before. Uh, I'm excited to see how we, you know, fare against uh, North Carolina, of course, early in the season too. Um, and then, you know, of course, the crossroads is always a, a fun thing. And then uh, getting to see him play in Brooklyn as well. That's pretty cool. So, Yeah, I think it's a – yeah, how Go about ahead. the fact we have to play Florida State again? I mean, I know Florida State every year. Yeah. We can't seem to beat them either, which I don't. I'm not really fond of. I know. I mean, the, the Florida State game. I obviously, as Adam was saying, you know, I was wanting to get the the Duke matchup with Coach K's final year. Uh, selfishly, I knew we were having a home game in Mackey for the uh, ACC Challenge. My senior year, Duke came into our house and <laughs> gave us a nice butt whooping. <laughs> So I selfishly was like, it'd be nice to get Coach K back in our house, you know, his last year and give him a little little payback. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't come to pass. We got the Seminoles who, as Rob mentioned, uh, have had our number a little bit and certainly some close matchups, but have gotten the, the best of us. And I think that is a, you know, they possess a lot of high-level athleticism and size, which I think is just a good early season test for us because – Typically, you know, when you get deep into March Madness, you're going to, you know, face high-level athleticism, and uh, Florida State certainly will possess that. So it's going to be a good test for our guys to face that. Uh, I think the schedule as a whole, obviously, as Rob said, the Big Ten speaks for itself. He went into detail on a lot of those teams that have a really talented players coming back, and it's going to be a gauntlet for sure. And then when you combine that with the non-conference schedule, Adam, you mentioned a number of those games. I think it's a really nice balanced non-conference schedule between some really good teams, some good competition, and then some a couple cupcakes mixed in to let you know some of the guys, especially it'll help us utilize our depth in those games, let some of those guys get some extended minutes if the final scores hopefully go the way they should go in those games where we are able to win going away. It'll allow some of our better players to rest a little bit more, let some of those guys on off the bench get some extended minutes and get into a rhythm a little bit because, you know, we'll need those guys to play well in other games when some of the better players get in foul trouble or little injuries here and there. So I think it's a really nice schedule. It's going to help us as far as the computer rankings go with a number of tough games. Mm -hmm. We should be well battle-tested when it gets time for uh, March Madness. For sure. I yeah. would also add this, you know, when you look at that schedule, guys, you can always tell when you're a really good team – because you get a lot of those nine o'clock games, right? Because they want most of the nation to be able to see you. And Blue has a ton of nine o'clock games, nine o'clock Eastern tip times, midweek games. On a ton of them. This year. Yeah. And a few of those, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon games, which uh, the CBS always likes to pick up. So that's how you always know if you're a really good team. If you're playing a bunch of seven o'clock, six o'clock games on BTN, you're probably not very good. No offense to my good friends at BTN. If you're playing a bunch of nine o'clock games on ESPN or ABC, then you're probably or Fox. You're probably pretty good. <laughs> and that, you know, Purdue has a ton of nine o'clock games this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah one of those. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Bobby. Were you gonna say something? No, I said, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we do. Those nine o'clock starts are gonna be like the one in Minnesota. Ooh. Oh, that's gonna be a tough one to come back. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully with a W. Yeah. They, they shouldn't be very good this year. So hopefully that is a W for us. It does make the ride a little bit better uh, after a win. That's for sure. <laughs> but speaking of one of those seven o'clock BTN games, one I'm actually really looking forward to uh, uh, this year is the uh, December 20th game against Incarnate Word. And that's because uh, former Boiler, Boilermaker players, uh, uh, Carson Cunningham, and of course, Ryan Smith is an assistant coach, come back as coaches for that game. So it'd be awesome to welcome them back 
uh, to Mackey Arena for that game for a little while, and then then we'll beat them. But uh, uh, it'll be cool to have those guys back in the uh, Mackey Arena for sure, right? That'll be cool. You know, the one scheduling quirk, if you would call it a quirk, is the fact that Penn State doesn't come to Mackey Arena, mm. uh, mainly because, and actually Coach Shrewsbury talked about this earlier in the offseason, uh, he wasn't quite sure how Grady Eifert would feel getting booed by the uh, paint <laughs> crew when he walked into the arena as an assistant coach with Penn State. But he won't have to worry about that this year. He'll have to wait till next year for that. That's funny. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm looking gonna... forward to Incarnate Word coming. Uh, Ryan Smith's a good buddy of mine. So, um, yeah, when you saw Zach Eady, <laughs> when you saw the scrimmage box score where Zach Eady had like 35 and 14, he was just like, oh, gosh, what are we going to do with this matchup? So, yeah, I think they're already sweating about the scouting report as far as Garden, Zach, Big Zach Eady. They, unfortunately, their their starting center uh, hurt his knee and is out for the season. So, you know, that's a position, obviously, against Purdue. They would like to have as much of their front court depth as possible. So that's going to be a tough matchup for the, the Incarnate Word Cardinals, but uh, it will be nice seeing Ryan and, and Carson in town. Yeah, Ryan's an awesome guy. I've had him on a couple times talking about the men of Mackey, and he's been doing a terrific job coaching those guys. And I think he's got a, a bright coaching future as well ahead of him. So, yeah, it'll be great to have him back in town for that. Well, we talked about the roster, the depth, the schedule. Let's talk about the, the hype um, of this year's team, uh, expectations. Obviously, I think, you know, for the fans, and I think for most people, maybe even themselves, you know, uh, a Final Four is how they define success this year. Your guys' thoughts? Well, your preseason number seven, uh, which is the highest preseason ranking since the 2009-2010 season. Um, but I'll say what I said earlier, and I'm just stealing Matt Painter's line here. You don't, you don't start a new season where you left off the last one. It all starts uh, right back from square one. And, and uh, I, I, I suppose I probably should have looked this stat up. I'm not sure what the number is, but um, number of times that a, the team predicted to win the Big Ten preseason doesn't win the Big Ten regular season. I think it probably happens more than not. Again, I don't have the statistical evidence for that. I'm just going by memory, but it sure seems to me a lot like if you are predicted to win the Big Ten, more often than not, you don't. So Purdue's going to have its work cut out for it for sure. Are all the pieces in place? Certainly. Um, mm -hmm. The skill level, there's, there's certainly no denying that. This is the deepest team Matt Painter's ever had. Yeah. Um, however, you know, there are 13 other teams in the Big Ten that think they can be pretty good, too. And you're going to have to play most of them twice. Uh, and when you look at that that schedule with the non-Big Ten competition, I mean, that's that's awfully stiff. So uh, we shall see. Um, expectations are high as well. They should be. But uh, uh, that's that's why you have to play the games to, to figure out if you really are worthy of, of making it to a to a final four. So. I'm just, I don't, I can't speak for Bob, but I'm just going to try to enjoy the ride as much as I can this year, because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Bobby. Right. Yep. No question about it, Rob. Definitely going to just try to enjoy the ride as, as much as possible. But I know in that room, you know, their expectations are winning the big 10 regular season winning the big 10 tournament and going to the final four. I mean, that's just going to be their expectations and it should be with how much talent they have returning and uh, all the depth that they have. As we know, unfortunately, you know, when it gets to March, at least, those the Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament are one-and-done situations. So if this team, you know, losing the Sweet 16 in a heartbreaker after having a tremendous regular season and winning a Big Ten tournament or something, is that a failure of the season? Of course not. Right. But 
yes, every Purdue fan with this team is, is going to want to see this team make a Final Four, considering Purdue hasn't made one since 1980. And I know Rob and I would love to, to be calling a game where Purdue advances the Final Four. That would be a dream for us. So hopefully that's what happens. But I think Purdue fans should be happy with this team as long as they're going out there and winning a lot of basketball games and giving great effort night in, night out. I agree. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, obviously there's some things that are uncontrollable and one, one and done, you know, one bad night ends it, but that doesn't necessarily define the season as a failure. One thing we know for sure though, is that on Thursday night, when they open the season, the exhibition season, I should say against university of Indianapolis is that Mackey arena is going to be lit. And I'm sure those students and those fans are ready to, to blow the roof off of that place after not getting to do it last year. So we do know that Mackey will be sold out and that it's going to be a hard place for any opponent to play in this year. Think about this now. We have 10 guys on our roster that have never played in front of fans. Yeah, I mean, in Big Ten tournament, we had a few fans in NCAA double tournament. You know what I mean? 10 guys on the roster. Never even it's incredible. up Yeah, in a Purdue uniform in front of a fan base. So uh, I'm anxious to see the looks on their faces Thursday night, actually. <laughs> That's for sure. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much. I I'm pumped for a Thursday night to, to get here. And then for uh, next week, of course, uh, when it really counts against uh, Bellarmine uh, next week, it's, it's going to be an awesome season. Excited to hear you guys on the radio again this year and uh, best of luck to you guys this season and, and boiler up. All right. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having us, Adam. Thank you. Go boilers. A reminder, you can follow the full steam ahead podcast on Twitter at full steam pod. And you can always listen to like comment, subscribe, to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.